Warning, this episode has mentioning of rape and sodomy. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, my little donuts? How are you today? This is Fried Dough, and I am your host, Gina. And today is Friday, which means it is Friday Friday, where I sit down with you every Friday and tell you a true crime story. Now let's get into it. Where we're going today is Maryland, Bethesda, Maryland, 2011. And we're going to talk about the Lululemon murder. Let's get a little bit of a background first. Lululemon, what is Lululemon? Lululemon. Lululemon is a high-end store that sells $120 yoga pants, $80 yoga shirts, and even when they're on sale, the pants are $89 and the shirts will be $49. So a Canadian surfer named Chip Wilson, he founded the store, the trendy athletic and yoga store chain in 1998 and he resigned as CEO January 29, 2012 for making some comments, but he is still on the chairman of Lululemon Board of Directors. The comments that he made, he made a comment about four-figured women talking about, frankly, some women's bodies just actually don't work well wearing Lululemon. It's really about the rubbing through the thighs. And he also made a comment about the Japanese. He said, the reason the Japanese like Lululemon is because it had an L in it and Japanese marketing firms wouldn't come up with a brand name with an L in it. L is not in their vocabulary. It's a tough pronunciation for them. So we're going to March 12th, 2011. It was a Saturday morning. Nice morning. It was so nice that the manager, Rachel, was able to walk the short distance to work. And she got there at 8 o'clock, and she was getting ready to open the store up, the Lululemon store. But she got there, and she found that the door was unlocked, and she was instantly annoyed, but yet confused, because she knew who closed the night before, which was Jaina Murray, and this just wasn't how Jaina was. Jaina was very responsible. So Rachel entered the store and she instantly saw it was just a mess. The television was ripped off the wall. Clothes was thrown everywhere. But she walked in and she slowly walked. She slowly went back in the back and she started seeing little drops of blood. And she stopped. And she just stood there. She didn't really know what to do at this time. She heard some groaning coming from the back. Rachel like, nope, and turned around and left. So she got outside, and by this time, it was a line forming. It was actually a crowd forming outside because right next door was the Apple store, and they were releasing the iPad 2. And there was a person in line named Ryan Huff, who saw the look on Rachel's face and was 
asked her, you know, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I'm not okay at all. And he offered his help. So Ryan, he goes into the store and he sees the exact same thing that Rachel saw, but he went back further into the store and he ran into a body face down. He turned around and was leaving back out, but he walked past the bathroom, leaving back out. It's like when you go towards the back, the body that was face down was maybe to the left, and he saw blood going down the hallway to the other side. So he went down that hallway, and he saw another body face up, laying on their back, zip ties. Her wrist was zip ties over, zip tied over her head, and her ankles were zip tied just straight down. She was in like straight up and down. And he said, this body appeared to be breathing. So he ran out and told Rachel, call 911. And he told her what he saw. So Rachel called 911 and she told them what, what Ryan saw. So the first on the scene was Kristen Canute. She entered the store, guns drawn, and she saw two bodies, one with no pulse, that person was Jaina Murray. She was the assistant manager the night before. So she was found face down in a pool of her own blood with a toolbox thrown on her back. And her the seat of her leggings, the backside of her leggings were ripped open. And Jaina did not have a pulse. Jaina was a 30-year-old, megawatt, smile, blonde hair, five foot five, overachiever. She got straight A's in school. She was adventurous. This girl went skydiving, bungee jumping, rock climbing, and splunking. She hold the splunking record in her high school. Yeah, Jaina was a beast. Jaina traveled. She she has been on every continent except one, and that one is Antarctica, and she was planning on going there. She was known as a goofball. She was very funny. Um, no sense of style. She had her friends. It, I mean, that was a well-known thing. Her friends used to dress her for, for special occasions. She was an athletic dancer, gymnast, tap dancing. She was going to take up professional dancing until she realized it's not really lucrative. So she decided on business administration, and she took that up at George Washington University. She was currently working on two masters, not one, but two, at John Hopkins University. She was 10 weeks shy of getting both of them at the time of her death. Her co-workers said that she was the protective one of the group and she would not hesitate to jump into action to defend or protect any of them. She was stern but fair and she would just call you on her shit, on your shit. Jaina's family, her, her parents were both still together. She had a small but happy family 
She had two older brothers, no sisters, and her fiance, Frazier, was in Seattle, and they have known each other since the seventh grade. She was planning on going out there to be with him and find a job and everything after she graduated. So the other young lady is named Brittany Norwood. She's 28 years old. She's petite, beautiful young lady, but she's strong. She actually won an impromptu push-up contest in the store with a customer. She was a star athlete. She was a star soccer player on her high school and college team, and she was a self-proclaimed foodie. She had a much larger family. Her family consisted of four brothers, four sisters. They were very tight, happy, and career oriented family. And I say that because one of her brothers was trying to get her to leave these jobs alone and start getting into her career. So she was planning on leaving. She had an interview with, she had a second interview at Equinox Gym. They called her back. So she was going to be a physical trainer. A co-worker went to Brittany's house and they said her house was beautiful and they was trying to figure out how is it that she can eat the most expensive food, she can get her hair done in the most expensive way, and then looking at her house and her closet, her house looked like it was a showroom at a at a furniture store and her closet looked like it was it was color coded and they said it was just beautiful they didn't even want to sit down so now Brittany is at the hospital and the interview at the hospital Brittany said that they closed down the store at 9 45 and they were gone until Brittany forgot her wallet with her metro card in it because she didn't have a car so she called Jaina through another coworker and asked Jaina, could you come back to the store? Because I left my wallet with my Metro card in there. Jaina was like, cool, yeah, because I left my laptop and I was going to get it tomorrow. But yeah, I'll meet you back up there. So she said that two men ambushed them both had black on masks on their face hoods on that she couldn't see their face or what ethnicity they were she just said that one was tall and one was short but she said that they sounded like they were white she said once they got in the store one of them the tall one grabbed Jaina punched her in the back of her head and they the other one grabbed Brittany by her hair and start cutting her and threatening her, calling her racial slurs, saying things like, you dirty bitch, you dirty whore, you're a dirty N-word. Being with a dirty N-word, I've never been with one of those. And trigger warning, I don't fuck with dirty N-words. You so dirty, I wouldn't use my member to rape you. And she said he sodomized her with a hanger. 
He drug her to the register and forced her to open the register up and the safe so they could take the money out. So meanwhile, while all of this is happening, she said Jaina is in the back basically fighting for her life, screaming bloody murder, getting beat, and all she heard was knocks and bumps, and she said that Jaina's screams started to fade until it just stopped. And she said that they came, the guy that was back there came up in front and started helping the short guy beat up on Brittany. And they were saying that this is all your fault. You know, they said that the only reason that we're leaving you alive is because you are fun to fuck. So she's saying that both of them were raped. So while she was giving the interview, Brittany was crying and she was asking about her friend, asking, um, is she okay? She was saying that it was so much blood and that Jaina was just so innocent and that Jaina tried to escape out of the back door. The officer who was interviewing her did not know the condition of Jaina because she just went straight up. She was at told to go straight up to the hospital and get the interview. So this police officer is getting the interview at the hospital from Brittany and the other police officers. It just the whole town basically just descended on Lululemon's store, checking out everything, just looking at everything. Meanwhile, Brittany She's discharged from the hospital a day after the attack with superficial wounds. She did get 12 stitches in her forehead. It was split open. And she also had to get stitches between her, the webbing of her finger, between her thumb and her index finger. And that's all. That's really it that, that happened with her. So the next day, the detectives, they went back to the store. They wanted to look around some more and just see if they missed anything. And they did. They missed, they saw a shoe on the wall. It was a size 14 size shoe with blood on it and no laces. And they were wondering, like, they were looking around. No other shoe had blood on it, just this one shoe. So they're looking and checking this shoe out, looking at it, and they... They look at it and just start looking at the treads up at the bottom of the shoe and they sized it up with the shoe prints that was in blood that was walking around. And they said that those shoe prints looked like whoever had those shoes on was pretty much doing the chicken dance and they never noticed no shoe prints leaving out the store. So they're, they're just like, okay, what, what's really going on here? They realized that Lululemon did not have security cameras, but the store Apple next door, they did. So they go next door and talk to the employees at the Apple store. So they go next door to talk to the employees at the Apple store. And before they started looking at their cameras, they were talking to the employees and come to find out the employees said that 
they did hear something last night. So the police officer's like, word? So what did you hear? And they said, we heard women over there arguing and fighting. We heard women's voices. And they were like, okay, well, what did you hear them say? And they said that they heard them saying, oh, God, please help me. No, just talk to me. Please, why are you doing this? And the detectives was like, so what did y'all do? And they said they just chalked it up to those girls, those girls and their drama over there. Okay, so they looked at their cameras. They looked at Apple cameras, and they found two guys carrying a book bag, just like Brittany said, at around the same time, dressed all in black. And they was like, oh, my goodness, it cannot be this easy. So the detectives was like, we're going to stalk this store, hoping that they come back. And they sat outside. They sat outside all day. So the detectives is sitting outside waiting all day. They're just sitting there waiting. Hopefully these guys is going to show up. And lo and behold, they did. So they ran, they jumped out the car and ran towards the guys and showed them the video and asked them, is this you? They like, yes, sir. Yeah. I'm just assuming they're going to say that because a police officer running up to me talking about, is this me? Yes, sir. What's going on? So they're like, is this you? And they like, yeah. And they started interviewing them, asking them questions, their names, what are you here for, and things like that. Come to find out, these two guys always walking past the Lululemon store at that time every night dressed in black wearing carrying a backpack because they work around the corner at a restaurant nearby as bus boys and all black is part of their uniform and they ride the bus so and everything checked out so they the detectives like damn back to square one what's what are we going to do what are we going to do so they start asking around to, and they got a name, Keith Lockett. And they found out a little bit about Keith Lockett. Keith Lockett is a homeless guy, and every day he's always at this bar. Every day, rain, sleet, shine, whatever. He's just like them bills that come. They're going to come. Keith is going to be at that, that bar every day. And while he's at that bar, he always talking shit to the manager about his daughter and what he want to do to the manager's daughter. So Keith Lockett is pretty much a, a used piece of tissue. Just He's just a dickwad, just for real. So they're looking for Keith now. Where is Keith? Keith, he wasn't at the store that night. Something happened. We know he got to be, he got to be the suspect. So where's Keith? They got a call that said that Keith was in the emergency room across town, beat up with blood on his clothes. Cool. They gas up the pacer. Y'all might not know what that is, but they gas up the car and they roll over to see what's going on. They interviewed Keith, talked to Keith. Everything checked out. 
the bottom line is that hap- what happened with Keith is he just got his ass whooped from another homeless man, and he he just it is what it is. He just got his ass whooped. He was talking too much, got his ass whooped by another homeless person, and he had to go to the hospital. Boom. Keith knocked the suspect. So while they're doing all of this, they know that they need another interview with Brittany. But before that, the autopsy, Jaina's autopsy report comes through. And her autopsy report, she had 232 blunt force injuries, 99 sharp force injuries. So she was stabbed with something 99 times. Her head had over 100 injuries altogether. Her face had 39 slashes and injuries. And it was defiled like a jack-o'-lantern her skull was cracked in eight places her neck and chin was bruised up by a rope and she had contusions to her leg the fatal wound she had 37 wounds to her the back of her head but the fatal wound was a three and a half inch stab to the back of her head, which was the fatal blow. Altogether, Jaina had 331 wounds in total. 105 of them were defensive wounds. Her autopsy report spanned it 26 pages long and 37 pictures. Throughout all of that, Jaina was alive for every single blow, except that last one. That's the one that took her out. Jaina fought her ass off. She fought. So the autopsy report comes in along with the rape kits because, you know, both of them, Brittany said both of them were, were were raped, and those kids came in. They show that Jaina was not raped, and they also show that Brittany was not raped. They, with the the wounds that Jaina got, the pathologist said that it was at least nine weapons that were used and the nine weapons was a hammer a wrench a box cutter a wheel box cutter a metal peg a steel rod merchandise peg a rope and a knife so they gotta get this second interview with Brittany they this this you got it. She got to clear up some things. What's going on, Britt, for real? So, March 14th, they came and visit Brittany at the house. Got on street clothes, you know, how you doing? You know, a little small talk, just to sit down and talk to her, whatever. And her interview did not change. Her story did not change. 
not word for word her story stayed the same it was just carbon copy it was just the same story but they asked Brittany about the shoes they told Brittany about the shoes and Brittany was like well yeah those are Lululemon shoes and she explained that when people come in to try on the leggings the men can put on the shoes to see how their leggings are going to fall with athletic shoes on. Sometimes they come in with business shoes and things like that. So they like, okay. So they left. You told us one thing new. So, okay, they left. And Detective Ruby, the one that was, one of the detectives that was working on this, he was just saying, it's something in the back of his head that was not, saying that this is not right, something's not right. He said that the amount of trauma that Jaina suffered was not normal. It just wasn't normal. He said that Brittany described these two guys as racist, rapists, robbers, and murderers. The worst human beings that you can absolutely think of. And it was two of them. So they start looking into Britney now. And just to see who, we, who, who are we dealing with. They need to see who are we dealing with. And they found out that Britney was fired from another Lululemon and was rehired and transferred to Bethesda location. Now, what happened at the other, you know, at the other Lululemon? What happened? How did she get fired? What, what went on? So here's the, here's the thing. One day a year, Lululemon, they have a sale for all of their workers, 70% off of anything and everything that you purchase. However, there's a cap, a $1,000 cap. You cannot go over $1,000. So Brittany, on, this la- on the last day that they had their sale, Brittany got $2,000 worth of stuff. And they was like, no, they look at that as they look at that as stealing. And they was like, no, you're fired. However, Brittany fought her firing and told them that her manager gave her permission to go over the cap. And they they had to give her her job back. And with that, they just transferred her to Bethesda. Now, the girls there did not like it, but they couldn't do anything about it. But it was just like, okay, whatever, you know, so. Now, Brittany is, they're, they're getting, they're digging into Brittany's life, and they're just like, okay, this isn't strange. This is strange, so, okay. So now they're talking to Brittany's friends and teammates, and they talk to her roommate and ex-best friend, but they first called her her best friend, and the girl was like, nah, we're not best friends. We're not friends no more. I had to leave her alone because that heifer steals. She stole my money and some clothes. Nah, we're not friends no more. She got a, she got a klepto problem. So they like, okay. Even her teammates knew that they had to lock everything up under lock and key with Brittany because they knew she stole. Everybody knows she steals. She got a thief problem. She got a stealing problem. Her co-workers also 
realize that Britney stole because some things was a lot of stuff was coming up missing at the Bethesda Lululemon. So what they did, they they started looking at the schedule every day that something came up missing. They was checking to see who was at work that day. And every day something came up missing. Guess who was on the roster to work? You got it. Brittany, she was there and she got it. One day, a co-worker was sharing some new perfume. You know, you want to smell my perfume? Oh, that smells good. Okay. And she got to Brittany. Brittany com- commented on it. She, you know, complimented her on the perfume. And she put her, her perfume back in her bag and went back out to go to work. Now she is time for her to go home and she grabs her bag, goes home, and she looks in her bag, no perfume. So she texts Brittany, Britt, you see my perfume up there? Did you see my perfume? Brittany like, no, I don't see it. Left that and that was it. A few days after that, another co-worker said that she saw the first co-worker's perfume in Britney's bag. And I gotta say, that's some ballsy shit, for real. So, now, Britney, they, everybody know Britney's a thief. So, Britney was, I don't know, she was a, a schemer, for real, for real, because one time, she went and got her hair done, and you know, she she gets a sew-in weave. And to those who don't know, sew-in weaves cost a nice penny, okay? It takes up a lot of time, and you're going you're gonna to pay for it, but it's going to look good. So Brittany, she brought her bag, and she left her bag in the lobby of the salon. And when the girl was finished with her hair, Brittany went to her bag, and when she got back to her bag, Brittany lost her shit, saying that somebody went in her bag and stole all over $1,000 out of her bag. She was losing her mind. So the stylist who did her hair was like, girl, I'm sorry. I feel mortified that this happened in my salon. Don't worry about the money right now. You can pay me later. Brittany was like, cool, peace out. And she left. So the stylist, they took the time to go back and check the security cameras that they had. And they realized that bag wasn't touched from the time Brittany left her bag there to the time Brittany went back to her bag. So now the stylist is calling this heifer like, oh, no, she owe me some money. Run me my money. Brittany blocked her on all social medias and on the phone. So now the girl can't get her money. So she actually stole. So the detectives is just like, this girl is shady. They going back to the to the suspects and just saying that this is not right. It's two evil, evil guys, the two worst human beings that you can think of walking around here. And they got a book bag. They're carrying a book bag to do some crime. But they don't have a gun. They don't have a knife. Everything that was used in this horrible crime was 
Lululemon's property. It's not adding up. So during all this time they was thinking, they found Jaina's car because Jaina's car, they didn't know where it was. They knew she had a car, but they didn't know where it was. So Jaina's car was found three blocks away and it had a hat in it with Britney's DNA around the band. And they also found blood and fingerprints on the gear shift and steering wheel. So now they know Brittany got something to do with this. They, they, they still don't think she did anything because, no, she's too tiny. And then the whole community was really afraid because at this time, they hadn't had a murder in their town. I think they only have like one or two murders over two and three, five years. So it's the murder percentage is very low next to nothing so they just they just thinking about what we're going to do about Brittany what are we going to do about this girl we know she got something to do about do with it how are we going to get her in we need to interview her again so they because they had to catch her in a lie and that was their plan we need to catch her in a lie we need to catch her in a small lie because if she lie about something small then she going to lie about anything. So how are we going to get her into the station? Because we ain't going back to her house. We need to get her into the station. Idea. Tell her we need some elimination DNA and elimination fingerprints. Cool. We're going to call her and tell her. So, but before they was able to call Brittany and tell Brittany, they needed her to come into the station for the elimination DNA and prints. Her brother, Chris, called them and told them that Brittany forgot to tell them something and she wanted to come in. She forgot something because it happens, you know, trauma like that. You, you're, you're not going to get the story straight. So she said she forgot something and wanted to come in and clear something up and tell them, you know, tell them something. So this is part of what she was saying. Explain to you guys how it that night played out mm-hmm. prior to him sexually assaulting me and zip tying me they made me move her car okay. I know where her car is um, and they seemed to know where it was where she was parked okay. they asked they said where her keys, I have no idea. I don't, one of them punched me in my head and made me look through her coat and her bag for them. When I finally found them, um, they said if I was to pass to anyone and open my mouth, I can consider myself dead. And that one of them would be watching the entire time. Um, and I honestly don't remember the exact lot, but they said to like, I don't know, like cross, it's almost like on the other side of Wisconsin or something from that street. I remember seeing a cop and I was just too scared to even, I can't do anything. 
was that like when you left the store or when you were part of the store? So when you first left the store. Okay. And he was driving past in his car? Okay. Did you fall onto Jaina? I mean, were you on your hands and your knees or straight down, face down? On my knees. Okay. Were you straddling her or were you actually physically like pancaked on top of her or what? He pushed me on her. He touched her head. You touched her head with what? And slid to the ground. Okay, so your hands got in the blood on either side of her? Yes. Okay. I know it's hard. And blood all over. Yeah, blood all over you. And then what? And what did he say anything to you when he pushed you down? It's my fault. Okay. This is because of you. Okay, so you heard Brittany. She basically is crying, saying she was pushed down. She was forced to go through Jaina's pockets and bag to go and move Jaina's car because Jaina's car was parked in front, double park in front of the store. And she said that it scared the hell out of the attackers to leave the car right there. So they told her to move her car three blocks away and come back and finish this ass whooping that we gonna, we gonna give you. Yeah, that's, that's what she said. So now they just sick of, they sick of Britney's ass now. They they just tired of her shit. They bring Chris in here into the interrogation room. And they give Chris all of the evidence that they have. And Chris like, can I talk to my sister alone? Cool. So Chris talking to Britney. And Britney, all Britney is saying is, I don't want to talk about it here. And he's like, you're not going home. So you got to talk about it. We're not disappointed in you. We're your family. No matter what we what you're going through, we're going to be here. But everything he just told me, I didn't look like I was convinced, but that shit is really convincing. What the fuck happened? You got to tell me. At least tell me so I could try to get you the hell out of here because this is going to get bad, baby. She said, I'm sorry. He said, stop apologizing. Just tell me what happened. Why did you do this? She said, I don't know what happened. He was like, were you trying to shoplift? Because even Chris knows that she shoplift. She's a thief. She said, no. He said, then why did you fight this girl? She asked him, can they hear us in here? Are we being recorded? He was like, no. She said, are you sure? He was like, I've looked around, no recording devices. So what happened? You don't have to give me no kind of details, but what happened? She didn't say anything. What did she do? Tell me, what did she do to get you to fight her? She said, 
I really forgot my wallet. He was like, calm all that shit down. I believe you about that wallet. Did she accuse you of stealing? Were you shoplifting? Again, he mentioned that. She said, I didn't take anything. He said, listen, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have to get you a defense lawyer. We have two options. Temporary insanity, but damn. You didn't talk to too many people. Counselors, you just can't keep your mouth closed. Two, you're going to have to be honest with your attorney, regardless of what happened. You're going to have to be honest with them. So Brittany starts crying. I didn't know what to do. Chris was like, she did come and let you in, right? She, Brittany said she told me she was going to let the manager know, know something. She, he was like, know what? That you were shoplifting? She was like, but I wasn't. He said, had you stolen from this store before? She said, never, Chris, honest. I've been doing good as far as, and she trickled off. All right, listen. You've been doing this a lot, and I know I've noticed this, so I know the cops have noticed it. When they ask you a question, you look down and to the left. That's telltale sign of lying. What you need to do is find something in the room and focus on it. I've watched you, and I know you're lying. And he said, I, do, I lie all the time, so I know these things. So this, this is what happened. Lululemon have a, a rule that when you bring in a bag, when you're taking that bag back out, you have to get another Lululemon worker to check that bag, whether it's for lunch or running out to the car or leaving from the day, for the day. So Lululemon co-workers, they check each other's bags. So at the end of the night, when they were closing up, 9.45, Brittany checked Jaina's bag, and Jaina checked Brittany's bag. Brittany had a pair of leggings in her bag, and Jaina saw them and was like, what's these? These are new. These, they still got the tag on it. Brittany was like, yeah. She was like, you got them today? Brittany's like, yeah. Well, do you have a receipt? No. She said that the manager that was there earlier today rang her up. You can check or you, you can call her and ask. She was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to ask her and talk to her about it or whatever. So fine, they leave. Brittany walks around the corner and she starts panicking because everybody knows that the thief among us, all they have to do is catch the thief in the act and they were fired. So Jaina, she leaves out and get in her car and she calls the uh, manager, the person that Brittany said rang her up, and she told the manager. The manager was like, nope, I didn't ring her up for nothing. Got her. Tomorrow she'll be fired. Brittany, she's over here panicking and she, she goes to the bus stop every night and she sees these two guys every night. So that's where the description came from. So now Brittany is panicking. So now she gets on the phone and she want to go back to the store. And this is what happened when they go back to the store. She ambushed Jaina and just didn't let up. And that was all everything that the Apple store people were hearing. That was Jaina. 
they never said that they heard a male voice. And Brittany said that all the male voices, they were hollering and making them do things and yelling and things like that. But the Apple Store people never heard a male voice. All they heard was a female voice. So at the trial, the defense, they didn't deny anything. They didn't deny Brittany killing Jaina. The only thing that they denied was that it was premeditated. Premeditation comes with no possibility of parole. And Brittany did not want to get take that hope away from her ever getting out. So Brittany made a statement and she asked the judge, just don't take, take away the hope. But she also made a statement to the Murray family, Jana's family. And she said, Brittany said, for the Murray family, what do I say when your daughter is gone and I'm the one being convicted of her, of her murder? I know what I say today won't take the pain away over the loss of Jana. I hope for the Murray family, someday you'll be able to find forgiveness in your heart. I am truly sorry. So Judge Greenberg, he said to Brittany, I am exceedingly reluctant to grant you even the slightest chance of doing this to another member of the community. He said, on several different levels, this case exemplified the worst of human behavior from the cold-blooded calculated way Norwood committed the crime to the callous indifference of people who worked at the Apple store who heard this happening and didn't do a blessed thing. Most of us can only shake our heads in amazement and wonderment and disgust. The Judge Greenberg, he continues, he tells her that the night before he beat his fist on the table 330 times. He said that it took him eight minutes to finish doing that. And after every blow, she had a chance to stop. He said that she was deviously in control, totally on top of the situation while you lied and tried to get out of what you had done. You, ma'am, are one hell of a liar with no chance of being rehabilitated. So November 2nd, 2011, the jury found Brittany Norwood guilty of first degree murder. And on January 27th, 2012, the court sentenced Brittany to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So, okay. They had, they made a mural for Jaina, dedicated to Jaina over the Bethesda, Maryland, Lululemon, and it just says simply love, and that's what she always said. Before I forget, Jaina, on her 30th birthday, she went skydiving. Edit. Jaina didn't go skydiving. She went bungee jumping, and the video will be in the show notes. Also, Jaina... She sent her brother, who was in the military, she sent him a care package. He was stationed in Iraq. He left Iraq, came for her funeral, and after her funeral, he went back to where he was stationed. So Jaina had sent him a care package. It was in transit. 
during all of this. And the card said, certain things just aren't right unless they're together. And she gave examples, peanut butter and jelly, chips and dip. She gave a few examples. And then she said, me and you, stay safe, see you soon. I know that just broke him up. So my question to you guys is, do you think it was premeditated? Because a part of me is thinking that it wasn't, and I would love to discuss this. I'm going to tell you why I think it wasn't premeditated. But let me preface it by saying everything that I say does not mean that this girl should not should be out does not mean that this girl should get any kind of chance on any type of freedom at all. Okay? So, with that being said, I think she's a narcissist, a classic narcissist. And I know I said that last week on, you know, Jeffrey Scullin, but when you look at narcissists, they fall right into it, these two people. She was about to get exposed. That couldn't happen. Jane, I mean, Brittany was also, she was fabulous. Hair, got the nip, just everything. And to let for for somebody to expose her as being a thief, you you steal all of this. This is how you get your fabulousness. She couldn't let that get out. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I really think that she went back and she she went to the bus stop and she was panicking because of her narcissist part of her brain. And she went back and I really, I really, a small part of me think that she wanted to go back to, to fight her. I don't think, I'm just hoping, I guess, that she did not go back and make her come back in there on the main reason on killing this girl. Who thinks, who thinks about that? I, I just think that she probably called her back to try to fight, but then she couldn't, I could I can't defend her and say, I can't play devil's advocate and say that she called her back to, to talk to her and tell her not to tell because she wasn't even saying nothing. Jaina is reportedly saying by the Apple store people, just talk to me. Don't do this. Just talk to me. What, what, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. All right. But we got a couple of holidays, and I really have to make this, put this in there. We got a couple of holidays, National Random Acts of Kindness. I know this is going to air. This episode will be airing on February 17th. And again, National Random Acts of Kindness. However, there's a holiday, one of my personal favorite holidays coming up on February 18th. Yes, it's National Drink Wine Day. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a wine drinker, yes, pop that cork, baby. (laughs) It's our day. Okay, I'm not going to hold y'all any longer. Like I said, all of my contact information is in my show notes. Just be kind, smile, stay safe, stay vigilant, and trust no one, child. Trust nobody. Mm -hmm.